Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you and help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. All right, hi. All right, you saw the title. What was it? Oh, 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 now, what was it? All right. And the scripture today is going to be one, if you've been out here a while, you've heard before because we love it and it's good, but uh, I'll get to all that in a minute. But first, I need your permission to have a little fun with you. Can I do that? How about at your expense? <laughs> you guys are so crazy. How many of you would say that you are a person who is self-aware? Do you consider yourself to be a person who is self-aware? Raise your hand if you do. <laughs> That's interesting. So the rest of you have no clue what your problems are. Is that it? <laughs> but isn't that true that we can pick out what everybody else's problems are but our own? Have you ever noticed that? We know when somebody else is talking too much. Why don't they know they're talking too much? We know when somebody else has a problem being too narcissistic, we, they always talk about themselves. Or we know when somebody else is a gossip or somebody else has a problem. We can point them out real quick, but when it comes to ourself, sometimes we are not real self-aware. Now, those of you who didn't raise your hand a minute ago, I want you to know there are areas in my life that I'm not self-aware, and I'm not really sure I care. Really? <laughs> I, for instance, love to play matchmaker in our church family. I love it. If you are a single adult, I cannot stand to see a single adult in our church walking around here grinning all happy. I feel the need to set you up with somebody, to put you in a relationship. Now, I have done this for years, and the single people in our church say that I am not very good at it. I don't see it. I'm good at the introduction part. I could go to any guy in this church, hey, hey, you, you single? Yep. Oh, are you single? Yep. Come here. Come here. You two have coffee today. It's Starbucks. There you go right there. There you go. What's your name? What's your name? All right, go have, go have coffee. Now, I think I just did a pretty good job. It is not the introduction that is the problem. It is the follow-up on your part that is the problem because I'm good at it. And you say, Pastor, you're not. So I am truly, I think out of all the years that I have set singles up, one of them got married, one of them. And they are happily married to this very day. Thank you very much. But you could probably win the lottery quicker than let me set you up with another single in this church. So I get it. I haven't been self-aware on the fact I'm not that good of a matchmaker. I'm not really that good of a golfer. Now, I think I am. I think I am. In my head, I can play real well. I can watch people on TV, and when, they're, when I'm watching Fowler, I'm watching Watson, I'm watching Spieth. If I'm, if I, if I, if I, if I'm watching uh, Mickelson, I think to myself, I could make that shot. I could have tucked that in closer to that hole than what they did at, at, at 110 yards with a 7-iron. I, I think I could have hit that. And the truth of the matter is, I'm not, I'm not really that good. 
And I think to myself, though, I think to myself that my plan of attack is if I just watch more golf, I'll be a better golfer. That's my plan. I have 401 on all the time. Anna's got HGTV on. You can tell who's been in the room last by just looking at the TV set. If it's HGTV and Joanna Gaines and, and what's his name? Chip. If Chip and Joanna Gaines are on, Anna's been in there. But if the golf tournament's on, that's me. I've been in there. But my plan of being a better golfer by watching more golf is not working. So is it possible, if you look up at the side screen, that there might be some area in your life where there is a plan that you have? There might be one area in your life where you need a new plan. Let's say that together. You back there? You guys back there in the back? Y'all you you ready? Number one, there might be one. Everybody ready? There might be one area, come on, in my life where I need a new plan. Now, do you believe that that could be true concerning you? Would, you? would you agree with me? Would you wave your hand? Would you say something? Let me know. All right. All right, just one area. Well, when something isn't working, when something is not going to work because you've tried it for a long time, you might need to get a new plan. Let's jump right into the story today. This is the story of the Ark of the Covenant. David's bringing it back to the people that had been out of their possession, the children of Israel, for some 20 years. And he decides that he's going to go back and get it. Now, that's a pretty good cause, isn't it? I mean, it sounds like a good plan. The Ark of the Covenant is not there. It belongs to the children of God. Every time the Ark of the Covenant had been in the presence of God's people in the past, the enemies would run just because of the presence of the Ark and the Covenant. It represented a symbolism of God's power in the past. It was a reminder of what God had done in years gone by. Now, here's a picture of the Ark of the Covenant. Take a look at it. It was a wooden box. It was overlaid with gold. There were two handles, one on each side, cherubims on the top, and inscribed on the top were the armies of God that I'll get to in a minute. But inside that box were the Law of Moses, the two tablets. Also in there was the Rod of Aaron. Is anybody familiar with the rod of Aaron? Would you raise your hand? This is an incredible thing. Aaron and Moses, of course, you know, were used of God. Aaron carried a staff. And that wooden staff, like a cane that was longer, that he carried, the Bible said it budded. In other words, this dead wooden stick sprouted buds and then sprouted flowers and then yielded almonds from a stick. So that, as a reminder that God can bring life out of anything that has been dead, was also put in that box. So now we got the tablets, we've got Aaron's rod that budded, and then we have a golden jar of manna, manna that just never wasted, never rotted. That was also in that, in that particular Ark of the Covenant. All of those being reminders to God's children of his incredible power in the past, David, the new king on the scene, Saul was the old king. Saul didn't go get it. David said, I'm going to. Sounds like a good, good plan. Sounds like good intentions. And so he goes back and he plans to get this ark and bring it back into the children of God. Now, just because you mean good does not mean things are going to go good. Just because you have well intentions with that business, that marriage, that relationship, that financial endeavor does not mean it's going to be easy. Just because you plan on doing something good with it does not mean it's going to succeed. 
Let me just show you what I'm talking about. Sir Samuel, or 2 Samuel chapter 6 on the side screen. Then David again gathered the elite troops of Israel, 30,000 in all, and he led them to Bela of Judah to bring back the ark of God, which bears the name of the Lord's armies, who is enthroned between the cherubim. They placed the ark of God on a new cart. That sounds like a good idea. And they brought it from Abinadad's house, which was up on a hill, Uzzah and Ahio, Abinadad's sons, were guiding the cart and carried, that carried the ark of God. Ahio walked in front of the ark. David and all the people of Israel were celebrating before the Lord, singing songs and playing all kinds of musical instruments, lyres, harps, tambourines, castanets, and cymbals. And when they arrived at the threshing floor of Nagon, the ox stumbled. And Uzzah reached out his hand to steady the ark of God. Then the Lord's anger was aroused against Uzzah. And God struck him dead because of this. So Uzzah died right there beside the ark of God. David was angry because of the Lord's outburst against Uzzah. And he renamed the place Periz Uzzah, which means to burst out against Uzzah. It's kind of funny to me. I don't know why, but it is. As it is still called today. David was now afraid of the Lord, and he asked, how can I ever bring the ark of the Lord back into my care? So David decided not to move. Wait a minute. A good decision is now tabled because of a tragedy that happened. So David decided not to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom and Gath. Now, let me stop for a moment in the back. I'm just going to stop and talk for a second. Here is a public failure, one of David's first leadership failures. And it wasn't private. Now, listen, if, I, if I'm going to fail, I... I don't want to fail in front of all y'all. I would rather fail at home. I was uh, trying on a new pair of uh, 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 hunting boots, and I was out in my backyard. I had workout shorts on, a workout tank top, long wool socks up to here, and hunting boots up to there. And I was just walking around my backyard styling. I was styling. My wife, I looked up. Now, I was in the privacy of my own backyard. Can a man do what he wants to do in his own backyard? Come on. I'm preaching. And I watched my wife walk out there with her cell phone. Click, click, click. I said, if you put that on Facebook, I promise you, woman. I don't mind a private failure, but I don't want to fail in front of everybody. This is 30,000 of David's best men watch this failure. Now think about 30,000. That's three-fourths of Grand Junction. Now can you imagine it? Here's people way down the line going, hey, hey, why'd we stop? I don't know. Hey, why'd we stop? I don't know. Why'd we stop? I don't know. Why'd we stop? I don't know. Why'd we stop? Somebody in the front goes, somebody died. Somebody died. What was that? What was that? Somebody died. What was that? What was that? Somebody Who was it? Who was it? Who was it? Right? Are you getting a picture? Do I got to keep going? Uzzah! Uzzah! A guy named Uzzah! Hey, it was Uzzah! I don't know Uzzah. What happened to him? What? Are y'all, y'all fine? Okay. Okay. He touched the ark. What was that? He touched it. Was that a problem? Well, it was going to fall. So he just laid his hands on it? Yeah, God killed him. God killed him? Yeah. Hmm. What are we going to do now? 
We're going to leave it. We're going to leave it. I thought we came to get it. No, we're going to leave it now. We'll leave it in Gath. Obed Edom. Never heard of them. Doesn't matter. So this was all for nothing? My wife and kids were going to the beach today and I missed it for nothing? Y'all seeing this? Hmm. Now you would think that the motives are right, things would go right. David said, we'll put it on a new cart. That sounds like a good idea. And then he comes up with this MacGyver kind of an idea. It's a 10-mile trip. We'll let oxen carry the weight. What he said. Sounds like a good idea. And even though it's a good plan, they hit a pothole in the middle of the road. Have you ever been going along in your life thinking you were doing good and you were working really hard and you were trying in this marriage and your family hits a pothole right in the middle of the road? You didn't step off the road. This didn't happen on a bar on a Friday night. This didn't go, go on with some relationship that you shouldn't have had. This, didn't, this happened when you were working really hard at a place. This happened when you were praying in a relationship. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, bam, you hit a pothole and something dies. And when Uzzah died, he renamed that place. You go, that's kind of weird, is it? You ever known of anybody drive by St. Mary's Hospital and they rename it? To some of us in here, oh, St. Mary's Hospital. But to some people in here, oh, that's the place where my husband died. To some people in here, when something dies, they, they rename it. Watch this. That was the first house we lived in. Wait a minute, here's somebody else. Right there, that was, that was the house where my marriage fell apart. Have you ever noticed that? That a tragedy will cause you to rename something? A business where you started out thinking you were going to have a long career. I thought I was investing here. I thought I was going to stay here. But all of, all of a sudden, it's the place where the wheels came off. Something happens to your health. Your health begins to perish a little bit. And you never saw that coming. That's, that's where, that was the year. What was that? 50, 51, 51. That's, that's when I got that report. And you rename it. Someone loved one, some loved one that you have in your life goes completely off the rails and starts acting completely crazy. And now that grown son or that grown daughter or somebody else in your family, it feels like everything is out of control. Have you ever hit a pothole? Now, please talk to me this morning. Have you ever hit a pothole? And you have felt like that which was in control feels completely out of control. Does anybody in here like that? Just wave at me or something, nod or whatever you want to do. Can I ask you a question? Is it possible that the same God who orders our steps orders our slips? I want you to think about that for a minute. Could it be that the same God who ordered your steps ordered your slip? Now, God's mad 
David's mad. He's pouting. I'm not bringing it back home now. And he leaves it. And he's waiting on God. God's waiting on him. And that's not a game David's going to win. I don't know what happened. I don't like what happened, so I'm quitting. And I'm doing nothing. Um, so he sticks out his lip, and he waits. He's waiting on God to change his mind. And God's waiting on David to change his. Because the plan shouldn't have changed. So God just starts blessing another man's house with David's blessings. And nothing will get your attention faster than watching God give another home or another business your blessings. <laughs> and you can stand around with your lips sticking out as long as you want, but God created that little temper in you, and he ain't intimidated by it. And if you don't think he'll outweigh, he'll outweigh you for eternity. And while you're sitting over there with your little lip out and things aren't going well for you, he'll bless somebody who doesn't deserve it. Obed-Edom didn't need that blessing. That wasn't part of his blessing. That wasn't part of his history. And nothing in there had to do anything with him and his family. But guess who got it? He did. You know why? Because David didn't want it anymore. Why? Because his little plan didn't work. I got a new cart. I mean, this sounded like a MacGyver kind of move to me. We'll put it on auction. It's a 10-mile trip. Take a look in the scriptures, verse 11. The ark of the Lord remained there in Obed-Edom's house for three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and his entire household. Verse 12, then King David told, was told, the Lord has blessed Obed-Edom's household and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David said, let's go get it. So he went to Obed-Edom's house in the city of David with great celebration. And after the men had carried the ark of God about six steps, David sacrificed a bull and a fatted calf. Here, here, here's the second one. With a new plan, I might need a new pace. Will y'all say that? With a new plan, I might need a new pace. And now it goes from the cart and the oxen to a pole. You saw it. It's over the shoulders of a priest. And now the Levites carried it. One. Everybody count one. A two. Come on, everybody. Three. A four. A five, six. Now, we were rolling along earlier. Now what happened? We were just rolling. We weren't thinking about it very much. Six steps. Everybody still alive? Anybody dead yet? Whoo! What happened? God slowed them down and made them think. What are we carrying? What are we doing? How come there's so much power attached to it? Why should there be so much respect given to that which God has done in the past so that the next generation might know about it? What is this all about? So what happened was God said, you need a new plan because that was never my plan to start with. And with that plan comes a new pace. My life has been shaped in part by tragedies and or by difficult challenges that has hit me along the way. And I didn't know that was the agenda that God had in mind for me when those things were happening, because God didn't tell me that at the time. And I wish I 
could take my right now self and go back to my back then self because I would have told myself everything was going to be okay. If I could take my right now self and just go back and talk to my back then self, I would tell myself, God and you got this. I wouldn't have worried so much about what some people thought. I wouldn't have given so much time to losing sleep over this issue or that issue. If I could take my right now self and go talk to my back then self. I think one of the tragedies and one of the difficult times that shaped my life when I was growing up, at the age of 15, I was told my dad wasn't going to live another year. And I felt God's hand in my pain. I watched the weight of my family fall on the shoulders of my mother. My sister was married up in Indianapolis. We were living in Orlando, Florida. My older brother, who should have been helping out because he was older and had a driver's license, he was a drug addict. Therefore, he was not around. And when he was around, he wasn't worth being around. So in watching all this weight fall on my mom at 15 years of age, I went to take driver's ed. And in the state of Florida back then, you could do that. And I got a hardship license at 15 and a half. And I began to help out. I began to drive to my dad's business and check on it. I talked to him. I'd go to the hospital. I'd go home to his bedroom wherever he was on a breathing machine. I would talk to him, what do you want me to do? I learned how to drive his uh, uh, delivery trucks at the age of 14, that, those old gear shifts that were on the, those old standard gear shifts, you know, figure H. Remember that? I think reverse, first, second, third. You remember that? Just horrible, horrible. Learned how to drive that at 14 in his, in his, in his company's parking lot. But I remember uh, it grew me up, grew me up. I mean, I had a lot of stuff at school. I was busy all the time taking care of my dad's business, doing this, doing that. Mom, are you okay? How can I prop you up? What can I do for you? Because my older brother was a drug addict. So 15 and a half, 16 years of age, I grew up. I grew up. What did you do, 16, 17, 18? Well, I got an education as fast as I possibly could. Started some Bible college classes when I was 17 and a half. But I, but I, I helped my parents out. Home my parents out. And I met Anna. We, we, we moved to a drier climate, Fort Worth, Texas, and I met Anna at a high school. Man, she is pretty. She's, she, 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 she's up there on a, uh, she's up there at a pep rally, football pep rally on a Friday night. I'm sitting out there, man, with the football players, and she's, she's, they're running down names, you know, stuff like that at a pep rally. I'm winking at her. Hey, hey, hey. I'm giving her my best wink. It was goofy, but it caught her attention. Ask her dad if I could take her home after a church on a Wednesday night. 16 and a half, 17 years of age. I was in Fort Worth, Texas now. I was supposed to pick her up for a date. We didn't have cell phone, car phones. We, I just called, hey, what, what time? Can I pick you up? She said, not before 6. I said, okay, baby, I'll come and get you at 6. Well, I was always early, ready early. She was never ready on time. So I went to the church parking lot, sat on the steps of the church parking lot, and as I was sitting there, I felt God's hand on me. I felt the heaviness and the weight of what, was, what I was feeling. You know, I met this girl. I, man, I really liked her. And I remember my parents thought I was going to take over my dad's company. My dad had trained me to take over his company since I was a little boy. And I said, God, I will, I will give you my entire life. I'll serve you and I'll do whatever you want me to do. I will serve you full time forever. And God called on my life to preach. Happened on the steps of that, of that church while I was waiting on a woman. Fifty-five years of age, I had a heart attack. Man, I didn't see that coming. 
If I'd have looked at what was in my cupboards and what I was eating, I should have saw it coming, but I, I didn't see it. And things began to change. But you know what changed the most? My pace. God got my attention. You know where I was at 4.30 this morning? I was standing out in my backyard. I didn't have my hunting boots on this time. I was standing out there. <laughs> robe and slippers. I was looking up in the sky. Incredible, incredible stars this morning. I don't know how many of you saw them, but oh my gosh. And as I stood there staring up the sky, they just got brighter and brighter and brighter. And I began to just love on him and thank him and tell him how big he is and how small I am and for everything he's done for me. It's changed me since I've been, had a heart attack. Oh, there's been lots of other things that's come along the way too. All of them used to mold me, make me who I am today. And it's funny, God says in Romans 5, look at this, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, character strength of our hope and salvation. And this hope we will not lead us to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Wow. Here's what some of you really need to understand about this story. The destination never changed. The method in which you get there has to. <laughs> you don't quit. Why well, you hadn't found the right man, so I'm going to sleep with a hundred men. Stupid. What's your heart's desire? I want to be married to a godly man. That should never go off the table. Well, we wrecked, we had three wrecks. <laughs> Big deal. Anybody die? Anybody? The destination didn't change. The methods did. So what God will do is God will just simply help you and wait for you to get on the right plan. You see, uh, some of you are thinking, well, it sounds to me like it's a little harsh what God did. I mean, come on, did it sound a little harsh that when Uzzah reached out his hand to steady that ark that God would kill him on the spot? Now, be honest, because I dealt with it. Did that sound not a little harsh to you? Would you raise your hand? It sounds a little harsh, a little harsh. Good intentions. He didn't mean to do anything wrong. He thought he was doing something. Oh, uh, everyone in here probably would have done the same. Oh, oh it's going to fall. Oh, right, right. And God kills him. And you go, that's a little harsh. And Dave got mad. Well, Here's what you have to remember. Book of Exodus, book of Numbers, God said, here's how you carry the ark. Levitical priesthood will carry it on their shoulder. It is not to be on a beast. It's not to be on a cart. So David thought he had a better plan than God, right? And God also said, if you reach out and touch it, I'm going to kill you on the spot. And God's not changing his plan because you and I might think we have a better plan. So God Kills them. Now, I don't know what was going on between Uzzah and God. But I know God didn't like it. Now, from God's perspective, when you think it's harsh, here's your heavenly father who loved Uzzah. He said, eh, I told you not to do it. You're dead. Now, get up here in heaven, walk down the streets of gold, hug all of your loved ones, and you'll never be sick again. What? <laughs> oh, God killed him. Well, I could think of worse punishment. 
But anytime you think you have a plan and it's outside of God's plan, your plan isn't going to work. So God will cause a slip, a pothole. What? 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 I need you to adjust. Well, I'll just stop. I didn't ask you to stop. The goal's still on the table, and the destination hasn't changed. Change your plan and change your pace. Oh. David danced before the Lord, verse 14, with all of his might, wearing priestly garments. So David and all the people of Israel brought the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy, blowing the ram's horns. So here's what you might need to do. I might need to choose to have a new praise. I might need to choose to have a new praise. Oh, man. I don't, I don't know how people can get so excited about one thing and be flat-out deadpan about something else that's way more important. I don't get it. I really don't. Because... What God wants from us uh, is for us to be happy, for us to be grateful, for us to be appreciative, for us to enjoy. The Bible says if God gives you a wife, he gave you a treasure. That's in Proverbs chapter 18, I believe it is, maybe around verse 7. When God gives you a wife, he gives you a treasure. A tr she, she's, like, she's, she's like a treasure. A tr a tr how, what would you do for a treasure? Man, a treasure. And then he said, and I'm going to add to her favor on you. So, uh-oh, uh-oh. So we've been given some really cool stuff, and we treat them sometimes like it's nothing. God says, if you want to be blessed financially, you give me back the first 10% of everything that I gave you, and I'm going to pour more on you. And we go, honey, we're doing our budget this week, so here's my plan. Here's my plan. We'll just give them like 10 or $15 at the end of the month. And God goes, <laughs> that ain't going to work. You do it all, seriously, you can do it all you want. It just, it just isn't going to work. It, it isn't going to work. God says, if you're dating, don't be unequally yoked. How many of you are single? Raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just raise it. Don't lie in church. Don't lie. If you have no ring, you are single. Raise your hand. All right. God says don't be unequally yoked. Okay? Don't date somebody who does not know and love your God. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. No. Well, I'm going to lead them into church. Well, bring them on the first date. Bring them on the first date. See how they handle it. If they stop, I'm not coming back. Well, then you're not taking me out, period. Well, I'm rich. I don't care. I don't care. You're stupid, so I don't care how rich you are. <laughs> you don't love my God? I don't care if you love me or not, period, period. That's it, period. Man, I, uh, I, uh, whew, I'm going to run a little late. But, man, let me tell you something. When I started dating Anna, I just I fell in love with this girl. I loved her. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Over 40 years, she is still the most beautiful woman on the planet to me. I love her so much. She is so cute. She is so fun. This girl is a Rockies baseball fanatic. Rockies baseball fanatic. 
I'm telling you, she has jerseys. She wears a jersey sitting in our living room watching a game. In our living room, she goes and puts on a baseball jersey. She, sit, she knows every player. She knows every name. She knows every number. She knows who's on the DL. She knows who's on the roster that week. And she knows, and she will get so mad at Bud Black. You should have pulled Chatwood. Tyler Chatwood fell apart two innings ago, and you still have him out there on the mound. Pull the pitcher. I will go to Denver. I will walk out on that field, and I will punch you. If you keep throwing them batting practice, I'm going to punch you. And I'm thinking, oh, you're so cute with your little tiny fist. <laughs> I think if you punched mosquitoes, half of them would fly away with your little old fist. And there's so many things about her I think is so cute and beautiful. But let me tell you something. The way she loves Jesus has got me wrapped around her little finger. The way she prays for me, the way she sings worship songs in the morning, the way she wrapped me up today, threw her arms around me and said, baby, I'll be praying for you through the service today. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. A treasure. And when you're going 90 miles an hour and you're so stressed out, you forget when you look up at this powerful God that this powerful God chose her for you as the greatest treasure you will ever experience in this life aside from your relationship or on top of or along with your relationship with Jesus Christ. A treasure that brings about it favor. So slow down, bam, grab the hand and enjoy the pace. And if nobody's dead yet, celebrate it. Celebrate it. Because the enemy's trying to kill it. So celebrate it. Oh, man. I don't get it. I don't get people who can be so blessed of God and be so cotton-picking miserable as a child of God. Sure, you got problems. Sure, you got trials. Sure, you're going to trip over some things. Sure, you're going to hit a pothole. It's no time to freak out. Just look at the plan and go, we're going to adjust it. What's your plan, God? I'm going to take a new pace this time, pay closer attention to you. I'm going to walk it out with you, and then I'm going to get a new praise. You're going to find out that I am going to be a child of God that worships you, that loves you, that prays you, and shuts my complaining mouth. I'm not doing it anymore. Take a Look at this on the side screen right here. Oh, I got to leave you with this one. Everybody together, when you complain and when you, every time in the Word of God, worshipers win. What do you got to have? You got to have a new plan. The destination did not change. What is your heart's desire? You can still have it. Nope. I don't care. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. You know you do. You just need a new pace. That pace you were going was driving everybody crazy. And you need a new praise. Oh, man. And you'll get there. <laughs> you will get there. Love you. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. 
Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week.